just take just take a few minutes. We're going to worship the Lord together. Is uh, we just obey Him? It's always important that we obey Him. Can you say Amen? How many understand? Sometimes the the plans of man just fall to the ground. How many understand that the plans of God never fail? Amen. How many understand that if you don't do the plans of the Lord, you're up for failure already? Amen. Well, we're not here to not be doers. We're here to be the doers. We've, we've been blessed, haven't we? I'll tell you what, spirit of wisdom and revelation has been flowing in these services. It's just so, 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 so good. Amen. I had in my heart, and uh, John, as you just play, we're just, I'm just going to talk a little bit here, and just to prepare you for a little bit different style of what I felt the Lord personally wanted to do. Uh, we're going to have a panel up here, that's what that's all about. And uh, in, in that, it showed me there's questions, and especially amongst your people here, and, and especially for some of those here that haven't really stepped in to what we would refer to as the call of God upon their life. You know, in some cases, it didn't come at 16 years old. You know, praise God for those that entered into their call or into that first step of their call at 16. But what if you're 55 and you know you haven't made that step yet? Well, I just felt the Holy Spirit says, I want to answer questions by the conversation of what I believe is a panel. And as they share some things, I'll, I'll just shoot out the questions that the Lord give me. And one of them is, how did you discover your call? Or how did you come to know the will of God concerning your call. What were three things that helped you stay in your call? Or what has, this is a, a big one, what has the flesh or the devil used to distract you and take you out of your position of grace and call upon your life? Or are you in the center of God's purpose within you? And then they said, keys to walking in the call of God. And I believe even yesterday, I, I, I just, all I could see, there's a brother that has a book out, his name's Ron Bruce. And it's basically praying out the will of God in your life. And, and Pastor Dale brought that in such a clear way this, this afternoon. I trust you you were listening. And it is a key. It's, it's one of the major keys I know in my life and I believe in so many of our lives. But there's other keys. Not everybody finds their place of grace immediately. I'd like to believe they would. But sometimes it takes time. There's steps that are ordered by the Lord 
And sometimes some of us are thick-headed or stubborn. I know that's nobody here. I'm probably in the wrong church. But and just in case somebody does drift in here and they're kind of stubborn and obstinate and trying to figure it all out and they want to get it, I believe God wants to help you today. Keys, I thought this was interesting, brother. Keys to unlock the hidden things that have been held back for you. Not hidden from you, but hidden for you. Those are questions the Holy Ghost give me before I showed up here today. Isn't that interesting? Well, those of you that I felt should be, I want to get out of the way. And John, you can stop. I just needed, I just needed your support. Because <laughs> you're one, you're one that I've seen in that chair. I really did. And I, I thought there's, there's musicians in here. There's minstrels in here. There's young people in here that are trying to sort out the call and purposes of God. And there might be some old folks. You know, when I say old folks, I'm talking 98. Because you're a young rascal, aren't you, brother? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, what I mean by that is don't limit what God wants to do because maybe you're saying, hey, I missed it. Larry, I had, a, I had one word for one person, and I felt I needed to release that before I got out of the way. But... Larry, there's things you've prayed and you've interceded for and you've stood in the gap for that you might not get a chance to see with your eye, that you might not get a chance to rehearse and discuss and say how you've seen that and how you prayed for that and how you went through that, what we refer to as the groanings of the Spirit or the travail of the birthing process in which was discussed today, and I know you know ladies with babies understand what we're talking about, but somebody that has spent time in the Spirit long enough understands the groanings that you can enter into and the birth pains that you can end up experiencing as you birth out things that God wants you to do. Because why? That's part of the call of God on some people's lives. We're all called to pray, but then there's people that, if they don't, they're in absolute, absolute sin. Because why? There's things at stake. <laughs> there's nations at stake. Right now, United States of America is at stake. I'm here to tell you once again, unless the church of the Lord Jesus Christ wakes up, I'm not telling you that you're not awake. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. But I'm saying there's people that you know, the anointing of God, that you'll be bold as that lion. You won't be the little cat looking in the mirror. You'll be the lion coming through the mirror. Because the righteous are bold as a lion. And you can come boldly to the throne of grace, obtaining mercy to find grace to help. Right now, United of America is in a is it needs the manifestations of the power of God, the visitations of the Holy Spirit, and the sons and daughters of God to rise up and to let it rip. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Well go ahead folks.
Amen. You you heard you heard some of the things that took place around a round table, right? This we don't have a table up here, but we do. Uh, I found in in Bible school settings, and uh, Apostle Dale referred to that. Karen, why don't you go up there too? There's an empty chair. Yeah. I found that in in Bible school settings, because I've had a chance to be a part of, of many different things, but I watched lights come on in the simplicity of a conversation at a round table. <laughs> a lot of times it happened in my life at Perkins. <laughs> yeah. So, Pastor Dale, you know, well, let him start, all right? And then uh, you guys can... Well, I just give you questions, brother. I really did. I'm going to read them to you once more, all right? Okay. <laughs> You're in class now, all right? <laughs> and, and some of these questions are what I picked up in the Spirit praying for you all. You understand me? So, you know, if, I, if I'm missing it, you just come see me later. How did you discover <clears throat> your call? Or how did you come to know the will and call concerning your call? Three things that help you stay in, in, yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't have to answer them all. I'm just saying this. Let the Holy Spirit lead you guys as you do these things. If, Start with the first one. If they could put them on the overhead, that would okay. help me. Who's in charge of the overhead? I am. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't leaving. <laughs> so, all right. How did I enter into my call? How did you discover your call? And how did you come to know the will and call? How did you know you were called to ministry? Why, why weren't you called into, into, into being a photographer like your dad? Or why, why didn't you be, go to the sawmill like your brother? Or why, why didn't you go in? You were a geek. You were a geek, dude, at 15 years old. I know you were. You were building computers before anybody knew what a computer was. And you can still do it. But why? Why, why did you say, oh, God, I, I'm going to serve you and be a preacher and a Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. For me, now I understand what you said in the back room, Bob. We are all very, very different. Yeah. For me, I came to the end of myself. I've always been a quick learner, so by the time I was 16, I learned that life had no purpose unless there's a God. And I was ready to commit suicide and uh, couldn't find my, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I went up on a mountain uh, in Virginia on a hunting trip with my grandfather and my uncle. And I was going to jump off a cliff and commit suicide. And I went out and stood on the edge of the cliff and I... Screamed out to God, if, you're, if you exist, you better show up. And I heard okay. an audible voice say, come down from How there. How did you discover your call? That's number uh, one. Okay. So I did. I came down. And while I was walking down the mountain, 
the Spirit of the Lord came on me, which I didn't know that's what it was, and uh, called me into ministry. That's how it happened for me. Didn't happen that way for me. I didn't see you on that mountain. Something that that, uh, is integral to this is the call of God exists before we do. And in reality, I, I sensed that calling before I even knew who Jesus was. I, I, I used to practice being a priest because I was raised Catholic. And that's all I knew. You know, that, while, while my friends' heroes were policemen and firefighters, my heroes were priests. And I wanted to be a priest until I got to be a teenager and discovered that priests didn't have wives or girlfriends, and so that ended that. <laughs> But inside me was still that knowing that there was something God had for me. And then I got saved and I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And all of the sudden, all of that knowing that that was in there became a reality of I'm called. Now, how do I get there was the hard part. That's a whole different Thing, but but it, it it was always there, and I always knew that it was there. And in the beginning, I I wanted it with all my heart. There came a place where I wanted to run from it as fast as I could, and then there came a place where I submitted to it. And once I submitted to it, God just blew up the whole thing. So, mine's a little different. <laughs> I wasn't really raised in a church, so I was kind of church dumb which was a good thing, actually. And I was pretty wild, <laughs> and I got saved when I was 21. And I, I was thinking about this because Bob read those questions to us, and I thought, holy, I don't know how I got this, but I had a thing inside me of instant obedience. I, I don't know why, because I was very rebellious. You can ask my mom and dad. Well, you can't ask them anymore, but you could have. But I had an instant obedience with God. Um, I, you know, I had, I had a, there wasn't a good church to go to or whatever in our hometown. It was really small. And I ended up backsliding after I got saved. And I had a tra- traumatic salvation. And I think I just didn't have a disciple, nobody to teach me anything. And so I kind of backslid. And this one day I called out to God and I said, God, you know, you know my heart is right. You know how much I love you. I, I can't stay in this situation I'm in. I, I need you to do something. And he said, move to California. <laughs> I packed my bags, quit my job, picked about a one-way ticket to Los Angeles. I had $40 in my purse, and I left. That is instant obedience. That's how I've left, lived my life with God told me to go to Rama. I was engaged to a guy and I said if you want to wait and... <laughs> I said if you want to wait until I'm done you know then we can get married and obviously he didn't want to wait but <laughs> no actually God told me he wasn't the one but those things the instant obedience to God and obeying him and I went to Rama 
to find out that I didn't have a pulpit call on my life, but I never could have been married to this man had I not gone to Bible school of some type. I don't just mean Rhema, but some type that taught me how to submit to my husband, to be there for him, to be strong for him, and to intercede. I mean, I know he's called me to intercession, and to me that is a call. It's not just, you know, it's not a pulpit call, but it's a very necessary, important call, especially if you're a wife of an apostle. <laughs> it's been very challenging, but it's been very good. Anyways, that's me. So I remember when I was just a small child, always feeling like uh, I, I wanted, I desired to be a preacher. And we had a poultry farm, and we'd have like 12,000 chickens in, in a building in our, in our chicken house. And I would go out, and it was my job to do the chores, and I'd walk through there. And, man, I preached those chickens many a sermon. <laughs> and the other barnyard animals, too, and while I was doing yard work. And, and so that was in me from... A little child, and I remember kneeling down at the side of my bed at night when I'd say my good night prayers, you know, and I would say, uh, "Lord, when I get big, make me a preacher." And I was probably uh, five and six to maybe about eight, and then somewhere in there, um, I figured out that uh, in the Mennonite culture I was raised in, it was not a desirable thing to be a minister. And we didn't treat them real well. And not only that, there was just a lot of intricacies with their role in the Mennonite church I was a part of that it was just nothing I wanted any part of. And so I, I you know, rejected that idea on the inside and turned away from it. Completely forgot about it until I'm in my early 20s. I completely forgot even feeling that way as a child until I was in an auto accident and uh, wasn't seat belted in and the car flipped end over end and rolled several times and, and I was completely uninjured, I wasn't ejected. Everyone that looked at the vehicle, the, the, the rescue workers and everything said, you know, you should be dead, uh, God has a purpose for your life, why are you still alive, that kind of thing. And uh, it was a few days later, I was driving down the road, and I was just kind of crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, why didn't I die? You know, my father, he passed away when I was just a little baby, and so he was 23 at the time, and I was now 23, I believe, when this happened. I'm like, now, you know, and I, I used to have that belief I would die young. And so I was like, well, Lord, why didn't I die just like my dad? And the Lord said, I'm not finished with you yet. And that's the first time I really remember ever hearing the Lord speak to me. Um, and he said, I'm not finished with you yet. And do you remember feeling called as a child? And I mean like a rush. All of that, those memories from when I was young and, and that, the way I used to pray came back to me. And uh, I said, yes, yes. Well, that weekend we went through a particular uh, personal leadership seminar and in that seminar, um, not at the seminar, but at home later that night, I had an encounter with the Lord and a rededication of my life to him, to his service. Not just him as fire insurance, right? But to actually serve him and do what he directed me to do. And uh, it was a few weeks later that I was one. And, I, and when that happened, I became hungry for the word of God like I have never experienced in my life. Oh, I mean, I... 
looked forward all day to be able to come home from work and read the Bible all evening. That was what I wanted to do, right? And so one evening I'm sitting there at my desk and I um, was reading the Word and I just sat back in the chair like this and I had my eyes closed and I was praying. And now this is before, uh, before we had stepped into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm a Mennonite kid, right? And um, 23 years old. And we didn't do visions. We didn't do the Lord said this to me. We didn't do any of that. And I put my head back in the chair, and I have a vision. Now, my eyes are shut, and I'm awake, so I'm not sleeping. And uh, it's like I see out through the the ceiling of my office and into, it was at night, but in the vision it was daytime, and out into the sky, but it was an overcast, cloudy day, and the clouds had just pulled back and made a hole that I could, like, see all the way up into heaven. And I saw that the, what I saw was like a city, a castle-like city with, that was just covered in windows and doors all the way around it. And in, I could see through the glass of the windows and doors, and behind all the windows and doors were like piles of, like the rooms were full of like, looked like jewelry, like gold, silver, jewels. And I immediately recognized that that is the, the, uh, the blessings of heaven. And... As I looked at it, I said, well, Lord, why are the windows and doors of heaven closed? And I believe he said this next part to me that it was figurative because a whole bunch of you were on the earth at that time and receiving his blessings. So, uh, and the Lord said to me, he said, because there's no one there to receive it. And I said, well, I'm here. Open them up. And the Lord said, yes, I know you're here, he said, but I've called you to bring many people to this place where I can bless them and use them and move through them. And man, I was, I was just overwhelmed. And I'm like, at that time, I owned a hardwood flooring company that Jay talked about last night and that he bought and went on with. And I said, well, Lord, why can't I just do my little hardwood flooring business? I don't want to do that. And the Lord said, I haven't, he said, the hardwood flooring business is okay, but I haven't called you to that. And in that moment, you know, it doesn't take long to submit to the Lord. In that moment, man, I just said, okay, Lord. And I start weeping before the Lord, and I said, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. He said, okay, I want you to bring, this time he said thousands, thousands of people to this place where I can bless them, use them, and move through them. I said, all right, Lord, um, what do you want me to do? And he said, prepare and get ready, and the vision ends. Well, how do I prepare and get ready? Right, how do I enter into that call? Which is maybe one of the other questions. That's good. (laughs) We're on our edge of the seat. I knew I was called to serve and minister to the Lord as I sat on the front row of Church of the Word Titusville and got spit on every single time the man of God spoke. Yeah. And that happened a lot. And I didn't mind one bit because I, got, I was close to the word of God. I can, always, I can go back to my childhood as a Catholic girl living in a family of 10 with a mom and dad who really knew how to love their children and love each other. I always said I grew up in the perfect family. And the world loved me, and I loved the world. I really knew how to love. I was brought up my whole life immersed in love. 
And that's an incredible thing to say. And I'm really very, very grateful to the Lord for that. Even in my Catholic religion and, you know, in Catholic teaching, I saw God in it. I mean, I wasn't indoctrinated with it. I was just always in love with God. When I was 29 uh, and stepped into a life of the complete opposite, problems that I never knew existed in life, and I felt like I had just got on the wrong merry-go-round, and I remember saying that to myself, and um, a beautiful lady named Joy, her name is Joy, is my spiritual mother, she led me to the Lord by simple, natural things. I would watch her, and she would ask the Lord to help her pick out vegetables and fruit going to the grocery store. One day she said, I asked the Lord to help me find the perfect dress for my daughter's wedding. And I remember being in the car with her, looking at her like she was the weirdest person I'd ever met. Who asked God to help you find a dress? But her whole life existed of this. And by osmosis, it started getting off on me. And I started growing, asking the Lord for the simple, natural things in life. And I became, that became my life, literally became who I was, because I hung with her for so long. And one day, she came to my house and said, the Roman, back then it was a Roman road, you know, how you accept the Lord. Now remember, Catholics we believe in God. We believe in all the right things. And they're hard because they, you know, they're, they know the Bible in the respect of they know God. But I didn't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And that's one world completely different than the other. And she explained that to me for the first time. I was 29. And I remember as she drove out the driveway, I watched her drive out, and I said, I want what she has. Everything she was, I wanted it. What she had was Jesus, and what she had was a simple believer's walk where God was everything to her. Simple life. And that moment, I got born again. I mean, born again. And the Lord led me in my mirage of problems to Church of the Word International, um, where one summer, I think it was the first summer we came, three of us, three ladies, two of my friends, we just sat in the front pew. I think we were the only ones there for several nights, right? Every time you had the church open. And we just sat under the anointed teaching of the Word, and I soon found out that the word of God is what I needed. And the word became my mainstay. It became everything to me. And every time the door opened, I was there. And every time there was an altar call, I went up. Every time. Because I figured I needed what they had. And if the impartation, what they did. 
See, you've got to get to the point where you just want all of it. Get there, you can have as much of him as you want. And I've, I'm still hungry and thirsty today. And want, you know, more and more of what he has. To, what he has. You know, some people, distinguishing moments, and we've heard and people just walk in a revelation of a call. And there's not big extravagant things that happen in your life that it doesn't seem like it. But you just walk with God and joy and it's just a beautiful life. Your whole, your whole every day is that way. Can it be that way? Yes, it can. It really can. Doesn't mean you'd have the trials and tribulations or stuff that other people have. You do. But you love God so much. And here we go. It's all good. It's all good. Now I know I'm sitting here because I got a totally different thing. Uh, when I got saved, um, uh, after a period of time, I was, well, let me go back just a little bit further. When I was a little kid, my grandmother always told, she'd watch me play guitar or the piano, and she, you're going to play your guitar for God. You're going to play the piano wow. for God. And I always told her, no, I'm not. They have terrible music in church. I don't, <laughs> it's boring. You know, for me as a little kid, you know, that was like during the 60s when all this new music was coming out. And, and uh, for me, it was just like, it's boring. I don't want to. And she, she said, no, I've talked to Jesus about it. This is going to take place. So wow. I just need to throw that in there because she was speaking it over Grandmas. Me. Yeah, grandmas. They're amazing. <laughs> so anyway, after I got saved, then uh, at one point we started going to, first we went to my dad's church. And that was kind of I am a preacher's kid, by the way. Um, and it was a little bit boring there. You know, I, I, Dale talks about the Methodist uh, persuasion. Well, this was the Brethren, which is probably similar to what you, what you experience. So, but then we, got, we uh, were living in Mannheim after we were married, and we went to this little church that was... You know, people were filled in the Holy Ghost, and we were just, like, getting fed, and it was great, so it was different. <laughs> but uh, at that point, uh, God said, lay down your instruments. Mm. And it's something I really loved to do. And he said, put them down. So I put away my guitar, put away everything, and I didn't touch it for months. Mm. And then one day, I... I was at home by myself. My wife was off working that day, and I was home by myself. And I was just crying out to God, "If I need to feel your tangible presence. And he put me on my face, and I could not move for like three hours. I was just like, and I couldn't get low enough. Uh, if I could have gone to the next apartment below and laid on my face, it would have been great. It was, it was uh, for lack of a better word, it was terrifying. But in a good way, but I don't know if you've ever been in that the terrible... Pro- I, but anyway, it was, it was very intense. And at the end of that three hours, he said, stand up, grab your guitar, and I'm going to put you to work. And then uh, next week I went into the church and they said, we want you to play in the band. And they didn't even know I played at the time. They just said, do you play an instrument? It's like, hey, well, we want you in you know, the worship band. And then 
a month later, they said, we want you to lead worship, and it was just off to the races after that. So, so for me, it wasn't like you're called to this and off and running. It was like lay it down first. And the reason I think he did that is because in the arts sometimes, there's a tendency to try to take credit yourself or to touch the glory like Bill was talking about. And I think he wanted to make sure you love me first, yeah. and then then you can use your gift. Bob, I don't think it's fair you get out of this. <laughs> A little bit of my testimony a couple, three days ago, I believe it was. But anyhow, uh, thank God for grandmas. Amen. The only thing I want to say, because I want to hear from these guys, is I know reading the Bible that the call of God in my life become real. I got saved reading the Bible. I got filled with the Holy Ghost reading the Bible. And I got called into ministry reading the Bible. It wasn't a prophet. It wasn't at an altar. It wasn't a vision. It wasn't a dream. It was the revelation of the Word of the Lord illuminating my understanding to the place where I seen it, I knew it, now I must do something about it. Are you with me? The same way... And I, I've had many transitions in my ministry, in my life, okay? I've gone, I've, I started in child, child Evangelism Fellowship. I was a youth pastor next. I stepped into, into uh, serving with uh, Pastor Dale at that time. He was planting churches, and we did some things. And God calls me out of the, the youth ministry, and, tell, and I'm, I, I get introduced to missions, totally changed everything that I've seen. I didn't understand the preaching anointing until I really went into Mexico. I didn't, I didn't really comprehend what, what the, the prophetic anointing was at that time. I understood it was there, I just didn't know it. But the Lord told me, and this is all I want to say to you, I've said all that to say this, is He told me if I would help Him, did to me, still is, <laughs> but he walks in an apostolic call. If I would serve him and the ministry that God has called him to, he, the ministry he's called me to. My way to get where I am right today, and, and, not the, I, and I'm still in, in process. I'm not there yet. I feel like I'm just starting. But is the art of serving, because part of Part of the call on my life is the helps ministry. I'm here to serve. Sometimes I get to serve the Word. Sometimes I might get to clean the toilet. I'm not doing that today, though, okay? <laughs> Three things that help you stay in your grace and call, or what has your flesh or the devil used to distract you? 
from God's purposes in your call. How much time do you have? All right, I'll, three things that help you stay in your grace and call. Um, I would say, very, to be concise and very quick, um, number one, number two, number three are the same, and that is a daily time with God on a personal basis. Call it your daily quiet time, your quiet hour, devotions. Um, you have to have a living contact with a living God on a daily basis. And when that slips, everything else is eventually going to go. Um, that, that would be one, two, and three. That's the, that's the answer to the bottom of the devil, because the devil will distract you from your devotions. <laughs> yeah, he will. He'll try to destroy your It's call. the one thing he'll try to steal. Um, I would say, as far as what the devil has used to distract you, you know, there's the basic ones that, that have been enumerated, you know, sexual sins, pride, money, um, Children, husbands. Responsibility. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what Paul said. He said, he said if you're a soldier, you don't get entangled in the things of life. And Paul, for Paul's part, he said, you know, I'm not going to get married because it would distract me. Well, actually, remarried. Paul was a Pharisee, so at one point he was married. Couldn't be a Pharisee without being married. Um but I think there are unique weapons that the devil uses against you that you should also be aware of. I was discipled as soon as I was, shortly after I was born again in the Methodist Church. The youth pastor had, at the same time, was being dealt with by God through the Navigators organization, which focuses on discipleship, that he should have a disciple. So he was praying. And I thought of this today because I was talking to the the mills about it and so this man came into my life to disciple me and really saved my life or, or gave me a foundation but about six to nine months later maybe six months later I guess shortly after maybe even less than that I don't remember the timeline anyhow uh, he found out I was speaking in tongues and uh I remember standing on a porch of his house and it felt very clear that I wasn't welcome anymore. And he said to me, I feel like I've created a monster. And it devastated me. But I also now looking back 40 years, because that was 40 years ago he said that, I also realized as I trace in my unique life that Satan has often used betrayal as a strategy so I would not trust people and if it weren't for my wife and Bob I would have given up on people because after you get hurt repeatedly you, you stop trusting so thank God I do still trust people and uh, you have to overcome those strategies Satan does have strategies Ephesians 6 talks about that they have to be divinely revealed this way <laughs> it, you know it's such as three things three things isn't the right one it should be three people <laughs> and I I mean really it's it's people that have helped keep me on track and thank God for my wife I mean she speaks truth when nobody else speaks truth she she encourages when I'm 
being just a real butthead, and she knows how to keep me straight. And I thank God for putting us together. Uh, I've got a friend by the name of Roger Rocky. Roger came alongside, and, and when I was outside of the will of God, chasing after an alternative path, he was the one that God used to steer me back into the word and encouraged me back into the word. And, and then there was this fellow named Jerry Rogers. And, and for those of you who don't know Jerry Rogers, you have missed a gem. I mean, Jerry was a guy that had experienced more life in his lifetime than any of us will. Spent 20 years as a, as a drunken alcoholic and knew that God had a call of God on his life. And when I met him, he was still drinking and still smoking, and, and he just wanted to hang out with me. And it, it didn't make any sense. And one day he said, you have to understand something. You've got the call of God on your life, and you were willing to pursue it, and I just wish somebody would let me do that. But I know, he said, I'm on my fifth marriage I was a drunk for 20 years. I know I'm never going to be allowed to do that again. And I, I mean, it was like I got gib slapped by the Holy Ghost right there. And I said, I will. And I encouraged him, and he got back into the, to the pulpit, and God used him mightily. And then we had a situation with a continued pastor that weren't filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and I was, I mean, I was destroyed. I was ready to just walk away and say, forget this ministry stuff. I mean, that, that's not sheep bite. Just, you know, Jay talked about sheep biting and sheep. I mean, this was from every side. It's horrible. And Jerry walked in to, to said, how are you quit? Step into our lives and chance to obey God. And I'm thankful for him. I, there's, there's no way to repay what he did in my life. And, and we wouldn't have been at CWI. We wouldn't have been with our money. We wouldn't have, none of this would have happened. But for a word in season. But for a word in season from a man who had been down the wrong path and knew where it led. So thank God for the, the people who obey God and, and speak into your life. You know, one of the, I, I really liked what you said about the, the people around. You know, um, without the right people around you, it can be a game changer, right. right? And the Lord will move you from one place to another place to just simply be around the right people. And on, on the flesh side of it, it's those same people that will become a distraction to you. You know, just take a marriage, for example. Um, you know, at first, before you're married, you think this is going to be the best thing ever. They could never irritate me or upset me. They only have my good in mind. But yet, then once you get married and you begin to rub elbows and the newness of it wears off, you begin to go, well, maybe they're not all I thought they were. Right? So... <laughs> When the Lord hooks you up with someone and you get close to them and you begin to see, oh, they stink too, right? You can decide, well, I'm just going to unhook and I'm going to walk away and, and whether it be a devil or flesh or whatever, 
It's something to derail you. And for me, in our marriage, in my relationship with Dale, my relationship with Jay, um, and my relationship with you as Armada, the thing that keeps me where I need to be is knowing what the Lord has said to me. You know, when the Lord sends you somewhere, you don't, when you receive a word from the Lord, do this, you don't quit over a feeling. I don't care about the feelings. You stay and do until the Lord says something else. And here's the thing. Those people that he puts around you, if the Lord's telling you to do something different, they'll get the confirmation of it too. And there's safety in that. And so that has been in our life and us walking into the grace and staying in the call has really been vital. It's having the right people around us. That is so true. Ladies, married or single, Jesus is your husband. Um, Go vertical with everything. If you're looking horizontal for your husband to fulfill what you need in life, you're going to be sadly disappointed. But Jesus is the chief problem solver, and he knows exactly what you need. Every time you go vertical, he's going to answer your prayer. Amen. Three things that help you stay in your grace. The word... Praise, prayer. Those are my three things. And I do appreciate the people because people are so important, so I don't want to belittle that. I agree with everything you're saying, but those three things, if I get that, and if I keep it in balance, I was talking to somebody here about, you know, they have these old three-legged stools that people milk cows with, you know. If you get one with one short leg on it or whatever it's not going to be not going to be the most comfortable to get the job done but if you have the balance correct you can sit there and it's sturdy and so those would be my three things and the thing the devil uses to distract you from god for me it's um it can be maybe one of two things busyness like getting over busy and not keeping that special time like one of you were talking about or uh Sometimes people push your buttons. They just, yeah, yeah. So sometimes that can be an issue. So, Bob. <laughs> I, uh, I'll make it. I'll try to make it short. Is my first pastor? I when when I first after I was saved and and I went to a Baptist church and they needed to get me wet and uh, so I went through the I'm into my grocery store his kids and understand when you live in a small community you pretty much know what's going on behind closed doors and this guy radiated with the love of Jesus Christ I didn't understand it then but he, he just he just loved me wasn't condemning as he come in and out of my business his kids were so well behaved that I, I'm like, how'd you do that? And I seen his marriage. Well, my, my marriage was in, 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 it was going down the toilet. I was pretty much going down the toilet. And 
I love my kids, but I was never home because I was working seven days a week, as many hours as I could fit, you know, before I would totally would fall out with exhaustion. This man gave me an example, you know, when I, when I got saved, I seen what it was on him. Well, a friend of mine, he, I had built a, a, the meat department out and put in some new things, and he was a contractor. And he got saved about the same time I did, so we went through the, the course together. Well, this pastor was one of those guys, man, you just loved him. He was like, perfect. It's like, you know, who needs Jesus? We got this pastor. Well, because of the way I was saved through near death and that, I wasn't looking at man, I was looking at Jesus. And I knew that flesh stunk, (laughs) no matter who it is. But my friend didn't get it that way, and this pastor disappointed him. And I remember when it happened, and he went the other way. He's, I, I, I don't know where he is today, but he killed himself. And in that experience, I learned you don't trust flesh and blood. <laughs> you trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I can look at man. I can follow man. But I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus Christ and understand that man can let you down. When God calls you, but you keep your eyes on Jesus, you walk in the Spirit, you walk in love, you walk in the things that you, you, you all know. But on the other side of it is when God calls you to something, you, you and I have to understand, I haven't met anybody perfect, and I've been in the ministry quite a while now, and I, I've worked with, you know, these guys are awesome, every one of them, but I can guarantee you there's probably some character flaws in all their lives, the same way with me. Now, you guys are probably perfect, but I'm going to look at the Jesus. I'm going to look at the anointing. I'm going to look at the call. I'm going to look and and hear the Lord through imperfect vessels the same as me. Because why? I'm going to follow Jesus, and in following Him, I can follow a man of God as He follows the Lord. And it's up to me to help Him follow the Lord through my intercession, through my prayers, and of things like that. Now, the other thing this, this, this Baptist pastor taught me, he looked at me, he says, Son, one day, he says, I want you to understand your enemy is going to be good. And good will keep you from best. And you must fight that. I had a prophetess of God from Ethiopia when I was in Southern California, going into Baja, California, Mexico, She looked at me and she says, I want you to understand one thing that could get in your way is you love people too much sometimes and don't let your your love get in the way of what God wants to do in their life. Now, example, and I'll shut up. An example is when you have children and you're raising them up, how many understand what tough love is? How many understand that tough love does not feel good to people that walk in mercy? You understand me? In other words, you have to correct them, but yet you don't want to. Well, one of the things I've seen with my my own daughter is what I've seen. I had to do something when she was 17 years old that it was one of the hardest things in my entire life that I ever did. 
But because of what I did, obeying God, because it was called tough love, because my love wanted to get in the way and make it okay. And it wasn't okay. So in that particular part, I obeyed God. I walked in that tough love. I didn't let my natural love get in the way and, you know, candy coat things and, you know. Are you with me? In other words, you've got to make certain you're obeying God and sometimes in obedience to Him. In other words, these are things that will distract you. They'll take you right out. You've got to stay in focus of the footsteps He's ordered to walk in love, to walk in peace, to walk in joy as you're walking in obedience to His Word. Well, we've got just, well, actually some minutes left, so we'll wrap it up. But number three, keys to unlock the hidden secrets to the will of God. For additional tape copies, please write to, uh, so I just preached on that, I guess. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. That was counsel given to us, and worship, and praise, and read the book of Proverbs. Uh, hang around smarter people than you are. Um, but actually there are a few things I would add to that on a practical level in ministry uh, Terry used the phrase which I always have loved I think she invented it instant obedience it's not just obedience it's instant obedience there's, there's something about that readiness that willingness that abandon God says it and you're, you're ready to do it when you're in that mindset or life, lifestyle, I guess, would be, even be better. I think he's more free to speak. Yeah. If, if you're an obstinate person and you're not going to obey, why would he tell you anyway? Yeah. You know? I think the other thing is master the, master the things that are a given. You know, a lot of people look for the will of God or wisdom when they're not obeying the scriptures. You know, it says don't co-sign alone. And then you co-sign alone. You know, some things are a given, and when you, when you focus on those aspects, and, well, you're not going to master them. That's the wrong word. You're going to respect them. Then I think God can speak more specifically about drive down the street and stop at the red house and go up and give them a bag of groceries. But if, you're, if you're, you don't have any respect for the book of Proverbs or basic wisdom, why would God give you specifics? In fact, I think respect is more underrated in our generation. And I think respect gets God's attention. And I mean, you know, like, like this is a big deal with Bill Hake, and that's one of the reasons I love him. You know, being on time. You, you give your word, keep your word. Uh, you know... Respect is exhibited in how we relate to other people. It's so that it's obviously, do, do we act respectfully towards God? Keep your word, which goes into your daily quiet time. You know, I always loved Jerry Savelle's testimony of how he told God he was going to get up and read the word. And he'd get up and fall asleep because he was working too much. So, you know, he, he asked, you know, Lord, why do I do this? And the Lord said, you know, it's an issue of respect. 
So what should I do, Lord? Well, you're going to meet a king. Would you meet a king in your PJs? So Jerry would get up and shower and put on a suit and tie and go in front of the Word of God and spend an hour with God. Then he would change into his work clothes and go to the machine shop or the mechanic shop, body shop. Now, that's kind of uncomfortable. It seems like it's a waste of time. But what is it? It's respect. I told the Lord when I was young and no one wanted to hear me preach that I would never enter into a church, but what I was prepared to preach, I would have a sermon. And I can say, quite honestly, after 40 years, I've never entered into a church without a sermon to preach. And I'm talking, you know, if Kenneth Copeland, if I'm going to a Kenneth Copeland seminar, Believer's Convention, I have a message. I don't go in. I remember one time we were going down to Washington, D.C. We took a whole group from the church, and we're driving down to Washington, D.C., and it was, it was late. And I realized, oh, my Lord, I don't have a Bible. I forgot my Bible. And, I mean, I was like as embarrassed as if I was in my underwear. And so I remembered that Robin Ginder was there ahead of us. So I called Robin, and I said, Robin, can you go to the book table and buy me one of the Bibles off the book table so I'd have a Bible? Because if Brother Copeland asked me to come up and preach, I could have a Bible. Uh, he didn't. Brother Copeland didn't hear from the Lord. <laughs> but I kept my respect before my God. And uh, God will do those unique things with you as well, whether it's like Jerry putting on your suit uh, or, you know, Bob Hawk using his toilet as his office. Um, but he, he, there's a, there's something about respect and I'm rambling probably worse than anybody up here. Um, we got a few minutes. Yeah. I just wanted to say you're responsible for your relationship with God. Right. Called or not called. You know, I, I don't have a call, but I'm married to a man who has a call. He's been my pastor for 36 years, you know, but I'm responsible for my walk with God. And to have the will of God and the secret things of God, I'm responsible for that. Not him, nobody else. That's a good thing to learn early, especially if you're the wife of a pastor. <laughs> you must maintain your relationship with God separate of your husband. Survival. <laughs> Psalm 25 says that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And, and when it talks about that, it's, it's, you know, we immediately connect that to worship, that you know, those who are worshipers, boy, they get to hear the secrets. But what about when you're walking down the street? Do you expect to hear from God then? Do you expect to hear from God in, in times when you're not even paying attention to the, the things that are going on around you, that, that you expect God just to be there, to be part, to show up? You know, I, I get irritated sometimes because we get into praise and worship and I'm I mean I'm I'm just lost in worship and all of a sudden the Lord starts a download and it's like do you not see that I'm in worship here <laughs> but I expect him to speak and I expect him to move and I expect that that when I'm in a place where I can receive I'm going to get it I just expect that it's 
it's almost a given at this point. It didn't used to be that way. I had learned that that, that was the case, but uh, I expect God to be involved in everything that goes on, everywhere we go, every time we, sh- you know, I, I love walking into some place and somebody goes, oh, I didn't expect to see you here. You've been set up. God has got something going on. And if we'll just expect him to be doing things, then we, we you know, in the beginning it was dumbing into his secrets, but now it's walking into him full face, and I love it. You know, the secret thing, it's in his presence that you'll learn it, that you'll know it, that it's revealed to you. And what you said, Terry, about, you know, you're responsible for your walk with the Lord. And so um, in the world we live in today, most, if you take any believer that's really on fire for the Lord and committed and sold out to the Lord, most average believers will look at that person as, well, there must be a call in their life because look at them. When really they're just being what a Christian is supposed to be. And so that's where it's going to start. And really, um, you know, what is a secret? Well, it's something that is hidden, right, for you, something that you don't know. And so the way to, I mean, we just heard a sermon on, on this that, was, that was, has worked for me. Um, and, and adding to that would be, you know, when you are in his presence, the vast majority in my life of where I got direction from him and the secret thing was revealed and here's what I should do was when I was in my personal time with him. And, and I would read the word, I would talk to the Lord, I would pray in tongues and let him tell me what I should do. You know, when I, I talked a little earlier on the first question about how at the end of the vision the Lord said, well, go prepare and get ready and the vision ends and I go, well, how do I do that? And what came up for me, at the time I didn't realize it was the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, um, but what came up for me was, well, I should just do what I had been doing already. And that was uh, stay hungry for the Lord, keep reading the Word, and talk to Him. And so, okay, that's what I'll do, you know. And, um, And long story short, here I am. However, at that point, that was still when I was completely resistant to the idea of, even though I knew that was the vision I had, but I wanted to tell myself, well, yeah, but that call of God on my life is for, it has to be something in the business realm. It can't actually mean a minister. You know, and so even though I was still on this direction, I had one thing I wanted to do, and that was I wanted to please the Lord. I wanted to spend time with Him and the other thing I will add to this, keys, because there's several of them there, is willingness. Willingness to obey. You know, there's instant obedience, um, but you have to be willing. Why would the Lord reveal something to you if you're not even willing to do it to begin with, no matter how crazy it is? And so you're going to have to be, have that willingness to say, Lord, I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. It doesn't matter if it's by myself. I will follow you. And then in that commitment, in that consecration, uh, the Lord will reveal a secret thing that you need for the next step. Be nice if you got them all at once and the long path was lit in front of you, but usually it's just a step or two. I think it's five. Oh, for dinner. It's getting close, yeah. Go ahead. You, no, you go ahead. <laughs> my thing this year was uh, up in my love walk. That's what I'm working on. Because 
the more I, I do to love everybody always, uh, the better it gets. It just, mm. it's like being close to God's heart and it just, uh, that's when things are revealed to me. And also what Sid was saying, in the secret place is where the secrets are. So hang out there, love people. There you go. Bob? Out of this, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. Okay. I'll be able to sleep tonight now. <laughs> <laughs>